And I'm Karen Wright. It is 9.35. Joining me now is our good friend Barb Lampson talking about Master Gardener things. Hey, Barb, how are you? Hey, Karen. I'm just delighted. It's snowing, snowing, snowing. And for us gardeners, that's a great thing because we like the snow to insulate our plants, insulate the soil, and kind of moderate it until spring. Oh, I've been waiting for this for so long because we just haven't had it at all. and We need that blanket to, like you said, uh, keep the the soil insulated so we don't get that frost heave and that actually kills a lot of plants. So I'm really happy about that. You know what I did last night, Barb? Oh, I can't imagine. I'm retaking. <laughs> no, I wasn't pruning. I'm retaking the Master Gardener core course. You know, you I became a Master Gardener in 2016, and right. every year there is a new class of Master Gardeners. And the process to be a Master Gardener starts in October. So these people who were on last night, it was the first official meet greeting meeting of. They're doing it online because of COVID. You know, when we did it and you did it, we went to the Arboretum and had classes. But this is the largest class they've ever had. 450 people in Minnesota were selected to be a part of this cohort. And so I'm just doing it as a master gardener like you could if you want. You can go on and just refresh your your learning. So that's what I'm doing is refreshing to see what new things are happening since I first did it in 2016. You know, um, when David was sick, and we were in Rochester for nine months. Um, it just happened to be that it coincided with the Master Gardener classes. And um, I checked to see if I could retake them, just um, something to get my mind off from Dave's health. And they said that was fine. I, I got the passwords, and uh, and I did that, too. It was, it was very, very good. There's always something new. You... You know, you think that after so many years of studying and doing that you know just about everything, but you certainly don't. There's always new plants, new ways of doing things, and it's exciting to be part of that. You know, one of the things that they're focusing on, which I'm excited about, is creating things like bee lawns and pollinator gardens. And even back when I was doing it, that wasn't so much of a big deal. And probably when you were doing it, I don't imagine that was probably the big deal either. But because of the decline of the bee population and the importance to our crops and everything, it's really being a focus now. You know, I was looking at some of my old um, information that I had. You know, pollinators at the University of Minnesota, they were really early on this. We were already... Uh, uh, looking and studying at chemicals and the effect that chemicals had on our pollinators. And it always takes a while for the general public to catch up with science because they've always done something a certain way. There hasn't been any problem. And yet these chemical companies were giving us chemicals that um, were actually killing off our pollinators Uh, getting into our water, getting into our atmosphere, and they weren't healthy for people. So the university was really right on that. But the push now is even more to think about we have finite resources of fresh water. We have to worry about uh, the air. So the push now is we've lost habitat for our pollinators. We need the land that we do have surrounding our homes. We have to 
make that benefit the pollinators as much as possible. We can't go with these uh, large, massive green lawns anymore that require chemicals and water and constant mowing. So there's a bigger push, but they certainly had this information. It's just taken people a while to to catch up with it. And you know the the seed catalogs and the other garden catalogs that we've been getting in the mail, they are focusing on that a lot more too. You will find entire sections for native plants, and those are the ones that are really important to our area. So that is, has been beneficial because then it's out there in front of you, so you really don't have to search for it anymore. And I don't know about you, but I know I have been planting certainly lots more native plants, whether it's yeah. little blue stem or big blue stem, the, the grasses that, that are so good for the soil. Yeah. You know, we've had articles about heritage plants and that we're losing those, and um, we value things. We seem to think that it's better to have something that has, it's big, it has lots of color, it's easy to grow, and um, it, 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 and we put those things in, and they're not hardy, whereas we have these tried and true things that have been with us for centuries. Those are the things we need to save and we need to use, and that's, a, that's something for future generations, what they will do with them, how they will um, borrow genetic makeup from them because these are hardy they do adapt well in our soil so we need to prize those things that that's really important i love the fact that the seed catalogs now have whole divisions i mean you look in the index and it tells you exactly where you go to find these plants you don't have to search for them one by one like you used to do so it's it's great it's really great what are you doing now to keep yourself busy now that we're in this big snowstorm obviously you can't be outside so what's on your mind barb oh i'm glad you asked because i was excited to find i was down in my cold room in the basement where i have roots and bulbs and things and there um was a an amaryllis which some of my amaryllises i leave in pots some i store in bare roots and for the first time this year I have one growing with uh, some plants upstairs. So here, um, this plant, and it's called apple blossom, oh, had shot pretty. up a spike. And it's it's the it has the white with the. It looks like nature took a, a paintbrush and lightly brushed uh, pink coloring onto the blossoms. It's just very very great. And it was up about three inches, so I, I brought it upstairs. Now, when you, it's been dormant since October. The soil is very dry, and so this plant needs a really good water, and you have to saturate it. So I put um, a bowl in the sink, and then I put this pot inside that, and then I put water in there so that the water would drain through, but the roots would have a chance to take up enough of that water and then after about a half hour I dump that extra water out and oh my goodness this morning it looks so perky in there and it will just shoot right up now it'll take maybe about uh, oh it depends on sunlight too but maybe a week to 10 days before um, that the blossom the bloom will open up fully and then you'll get maybe um, 
two or three of those on the same stem. It's one stem. When they get done blooming, you cut off that bloom. <clears throat> and sometimes I take the stake, the spike that comes up, I'll take that down, you know, a bit at a time. But other times I'll just cut it off right away. It just depends on um, it's green. I don't think that it can make photosynthesis. I don't think there's any purpose, and I haven't seen any reason for that. But so the I, leaves, you want to make sure to leave those leaves. Oh, gosh, yes. So important. And then the other one that is blooming right now, uh, and this is this mixed um, planting of flowers I had that were outside, is the red lion. I think you've seen it. It's, it's pretty common. I planted this for the first time on January 7th and 2011, and it has had many, many new bulbs. Is that, that I, a, is that an outdoor native, or is nope, that... No, it isn't. Nope, okay. nope, none of these are. These are all uh, tropicals. They're indoor plants. Oh, okay. <clears throat> and so this is... I hadn't done this before because, <clears throat> you know, the amaryllis has to go dormant, has to rest for at least six to eight weeks. So I thought, how is it going to rest in here? But the plants that I had it potted with, I couldn't disturb them. So I just cut off the top, and in doing so, when I brought it in, and and it did absolutely just rested with the top cut off. But I left it in the sunlight. <clears throat> and here, just like that, up it comes, this wonderful flowering spike. And um, so... I mean, I don't know if I was just lucky and it worked this year. Um, I've, I've not done that before, but um, the thing when you have a bulb like that, you know, you can't have it in saturated soil. It has to be well-drained soil because these bulbs, they rot if they're surrounded by wet soil. Well, Jeff got two amar- amaryllis uh, for Christmas presents, so around Christmas he got them, and they were in pots. You know, they have those pretty pots, and of course those pots a lot of times don't have any drainage holes. So the first thing we did immediately it was drill some holes in the bottom of the pots and watered them well, like you said. And right now they are just starting to bloom. So that would have been just Christmas time till now, and they've just got beautiful blooms. One's actually started, and the other's getting close. So it isn't long, and it just pops up and just is gorgeous. Yeah. So uh, when I was doing this, I decided that perhaps, you know, yesterday was a sunny day. And when there's sunshine, I can, I feel so energized by by that. And I was examining some of the other house plants and I could, you know, when the light filters in, you can see dust. And I could see that I had dust on leaves. Oh, yeah. So they... The plants got their leaves cleaned, and this is important for photosynthesis because if you have any leaf or any uh, dust on them, it blocks the sunlight getting in there, and these little factories can't work to produce foods for the plant. So I got that done, and I took my vacuum, and I, I vacuumed. I lifted off the plants. I, I vacuumed under, around. I vacuumed the windowsill, the curtains everything so there was no dust uh, behind. So I felt, hey, this this is really an accomplishment. And um, I was glad to have that done for a little while. But it's tempting to think, well, gee, you know, there's sunlight today. Maybe I should, maybe I should start fertilizing. But really, in 
the, gar- the plants that I'm raising, it, it, they really don't need fertilizer now. I'm going to wait another month or so, and in February I'll, I'll take a look and decide if maybe they should get maybe a half strength of fertilizer because it stresses them too much if they're not getting enough sunlight and, and you've got fertilize, all this fertilizer in there. Now, one of the things I'm tempted to do is now that it, it's been, we've had long, dark days and cold, you, a lot of folks want to start to plant seeds. And I just got, I did order some because I wanted to order so the kinds of varieties I wanted weren't out because a lot of them do sell out. And so I've got two big packages of of different types of seeds, but I know, and Harvey has learned this, our friend Harvey Hess, who is a big tomato and pepper grower, has learned the, the hard way that you don't want to start them too early because then it's, it's just not good for them. So it's still too early to start a lot of things. If you want to know when to start seeds, a good place to go is the University of Minnesota Extension's uh, website, and, and they've got all the suggestions of when you should start certain things because a lot of times the ones you want to start earlier are flower seeds specific flower seeds because they take longer to to mature (laughs) so you want if you want to get blooms this year but you know there's other flowers like zinnias that you put right in the ground and you'll have blooms in a very short while so resist the temptation to start seeds even though that's what you're seeing in all the stores you're seeing the seed you're seeing the the the, the lights and all the starter boxes and right, heat pads right. but so you want to think oh it must be time but it's still not time no and the chart that they have at the on the extension site is called the vegetable planting dates in minnesota and they tell you both uh when to start the seeds and when you can plant in the garden the only thing, the earliest thing that we have for vegetables, uh, seeds that we can plant, is February, and that is your onion seeds. They can go in in February. So uh, you can, if you just dying to do something, you could do that. But other than that, um, you're going to have to wait a while. So March, you can start thinking about your cold crops, you're starting those seeds. And then um, April. April 15th, that's the day for tomatoes, and um, not before then because, well, as you just said, Harvey's had this problem. They get too tall, too, too leggy. leggy. Yeah. Yeah, you get poor plants, and, it, and when you try and get them outside into that environment, it takes a long time for them to acclimate, and as a result of that, um, you get fruit much later in the season because they were just trying to get acclimated to those outdoor conditions. How about pepper seeds? That's another one a lot of people like to start indoors. When do you usually start yours? Is it around the same time as tomatoes? or? Yep, um, peppers, um, April 15th is the date for starting those seeds. Right. Okay. So those are things to keep in mind, even though Wait I... Wait a minute. I told you wrong. Yeah, I think they're earlier, aren't they? A little bit? Uh, it's March 15th. Oh, okay. Peppers can, can be... Uh, seed can be planted March 15th. Right. And, of course, they don't go into your garden. They recommend holding them until June 15th to get them out because they like hot, sunny days. So um, I, I, I don't know. June 15th? It kind of depends on the weather. Right. If, you know, you have to look at the soil. Now, today in Waseca, where they always test the soil there, and we get that information in our free press daily. And I, I just go, I look at that every single day. 
Today, according to the Wasika, uh, to the um, school, the Outreach Science and Outreach Center over there, the soil temperature is 30 degrees. So when we're talking about a lot of these plants, we need to be 60 or 65 degrees. Now the cold crops, you can put those in much earlier, but uh, not peppers. Peppers will benefit by holding them back. I have learned that the hard way. <laughs> so that, have I, and tomatoes too. Yeah, exactly. And even if you put on a cover for them and keep the wind off from them, they just don't do well until they have um, warm nights, warm soil. I think you should I, I tell what coal crops are, C-O-L-E, because a lot of folks might not know what you're talking about. Okay. So, so those are um, your um, your cabbage, your uh, uh, cucumbers, your your broccolis, uh, cauliflower, broccoli. the brassica family, which is is those kind of ones we just chatted about there, Brussels sprouts, yeah, things like that. Yeah, all all of those. If you're in doubt, it, you know this is the information that you'll find on your seed packet. It's really important to read that information. And then if you're not going to keep the seed packet, you should, uh, in your seed diary, when you plant cabbage, you should put down, make a note, the date that you either started your seeds inside, uh, if that's what you're going to do, or, and then the date that they go outside, what the soil temperature is, and how well they do. And it might just be the conditions that you planted in that weren't good, or it might be that the variety you picked, uh, you picked the wrong variety for your area. Not to say that you're in the wrong zone, but if you do, you have to have uh, conditions. So uh, cabbage actually take quite a long growing season. And if you want something earlier, uh, find one that's going to be ready in fewer days to maturity. One of the things we talk about is often is the All-American Selections, and those are the seeds that are tried and true that have been proven through the years for gardeners that they are successful. And, you know, they have listed the 2022 winners, and I wanted to mention some of them. Um, <coughs> specifically, you mentioned peppers. There's one, a pepper called Buffy, that looks really amazing. Uh, it's an F1 hybrid and they they say are they say will this buffy fend off blood-sucking supernatural beings of course you know that's marketing for you we're not sure but we do know it's one of the very delicious hot peppers so it's one that that was a winner because it just consistently produces but they're just beautiful beautiful green and red peppers so when you want to buy seeds go to all american selections you can google right. and find past winners and i have found that those are generally more successful they've got a new uh lettuce this year they've got a new eggplant this year and a new flower it's called petunia bees knees oh my gosh barb this is just a beautiful beautiful petunia and i'm thinking about maybe getting this one well i've probably got enough plants but if i was going to get more it's <laughs> it's a yellow petunia and they say it's so outstanding and eye-catching that the All-American Selection Trials that the judges deemed it a gold medal winner. It's the first petunia to win a gold medal distinction since 1950. The bee's knees petunia is filled with lush blooms that put on a colorful show of deep yellow, non-fading flowers all season long. And of course, I have found that with the Proven Winners Vista series. So I'm excited to see there's another one that 
that doesn't get leggy later in the season. So that's one um, worth considering. So it's something you might want to look at. I I agree, absolutely. But here again, you know, even with the All-Americans, you can get the best seed or the best plants, but you have to have good soil and you have to plant them in the right place. If it says, you know, partial shade, don't plant it in the full sunlight and think, well, yeah, I think there is partial shade. There isn't. I mean, this is the environmental conditions are as important as the seed is, is what I'm trying to say. Oh, and the soil is so important. Uh, I Earlier this week, I talked with Laura Peterson. She is with the Living Earth Center oh, yes. Gardens, where you garden up at the hill on good council and they are they have teamed up with blue earth county and are starting a completely new garden that is uh, going to be the community guards that they're helping to take over from blue earth county and that's down by the red jacket trail you can see it from mount cato and one of the things she talked about is the soil there is so hard pan clay that they're not sure how they're going to make it so it's it's tillable because I mean it's just so much she says I'm not sure if we'll have to go in there with something to till it or not because we of course talk about not tilling the soil as being you don't want to wreck that soil structure so that is something that they are trying to figure out and she says if anybody has any ideas let me know well you know um I I visited out there a couple of times this summer they do they have they're doing one thing right which is they're making uh, raised furrows, and they're planting on top of those. So you could, you know, um, in that top 10 inches, you could improve the soil like that. I mean, that may be what they'll have to do. The reason that is so hard is because when they were doing construction on that road out there, they parked all the construction equipment in that area. So it is so compacted. It yeah. is it, 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 it would be a challenge for anybody. Um, and the thing that's difficult about it also is it's out in the country, which people who, at good counsel, people come up there on their bicycles, um, they jog up there. Any place in town that you can get to, you're probably going to garden to. When you have to go out, even if it is only, oh, five, six, seven miles, um, that eliminates people that would like to garden. So uh, that's going to be a problem, and you're, she's absolutely right. That soil is, is something else out there. It really and, is. It, and they are looking for volunteers at that garden, by the way, to help, because she says, you know, they're going to be producing a lot of food, extra food for the community, the Echo Food Shelf and such. So if people are interested in doing some gardening and helping out others, that is an opportunity to do that. And it's time to also start thinking about signing up for the garden slots in the community gardens on the hill. I asked her if there were any left, and she says, we still haven't got all the previous folks to know who was coming back. So a little in February, I think there'll be the time to sign up to get a community yeah. garden plot here in Mankato. And of course, other communities, check with your local community to see if you have those spots. And you've sure. been doing the community gardening for, for how many years now, Barb? Oh, I think um, 19 years oh, is my. how long we've been up there. Yeah, right. It's um, And you know, your own plots, you're responsible for them. And we have been... Uh, bringing up compost. We have just been working and working. So we have really, really good soil, and we are going to really miss when we can't go 
garden up there anymore. That's going to be just uh, a real, uh, it's, it's going to be a loss, you know, because we just love going up there. It's, it's a community. When you garden like that, you, you become people like family. And, and um, whenever I'm up there, um, it seems like someone will come by, they'll ask a question, or they'll say, do you have enough? I have extra. And also, um, we have an opportunity to take vegetables that we've raised that are extra, and we put them in the barn, and anyone can pick them up and, and use them. So it, there's such a nice, really nice feeling up there of doing that, and that feeling of family and community. And we have special events, too, where we get together and um, in the evening, and uh, we have music and talk and and talk about our plants and how things are growing. From one part of the garden to the other part, things grow differently. Or there might be one one area in the garden where they have cucumber beetles, and the other side, which is, you know, like 50 feet away, um, they don't have cucumber beetles. It's or, Barb, there might be others envious because you've been there for 19 years building up this soil that's amazing where if you just started, your soil wouldn't be very good. So maybe your stuff doesn't grow as well, and, and you got to realize it takes time. It does. It, it takes time and patience. But, you know, <clears throat> you should come into it with the idea that um, it, it, this is, this is your, your time frame. You, you work and do what you can do. You shouldn't feel pressured that you just have to work long hours into your garden. You know, figure out what works for you and what vegetables your family likes. And I always think it's a good idea. Bring the whole family, you know? Well, Barb, we are out of time, but it's been great to chat with you about gardening. We can sit and look at our catalogs and dream some more. Yes, and I say thank you for the snow. It's great. (laughs) Yes, we need it. All right, Barb, have a great rest of your day. Thanks, Karen. Yep, bye-bye.